Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode five of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Juice Jones of the HearthCore podcast. How you doing, Juice? I'm doing well, Joe. And how about yourself? Pretty good, pretty good. Thanks for coming on the show today. Oh, hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to come on and talk about geeky, nerdy things and uh, to quote-unquote geek out. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's jump right into the, the interview and, and kind of get to know who you are. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, like you mentioned before, my claim to internet fame, or notoriety, I guess, is that I'm a member of the HearthCore podcast, which is, a, of course, a Hearthstone podcast. I am... Uh, I grew up in San Diego, California. I went to San Diego State University and got a degree in comparative literature and have subsequently not done much with it, but it's <laughs> there. Uh, but, and uh, also, I like mixing drinks. For those of you who may not have listened to Hearthcore yet, we do a mixed drink of the week, and so that's a fun creative outlet that I have. I was tempted to ask you to prepare a drink for us this morning, but since it's 9 a.m., I figured that you know there's something wrong with, with, with that scenario. Well, somewhere around the world it is 5 o'clock, and I was going to try and make, or at least make up a drink for you, but the timing didn't work out, so I'll send you an email later, because I do have an idea. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. We'll definitely post that up with the show, and uh, and uh, then we'll maybe we'll have a, a an evening geek out somewhere with a group of people and uh, and partake. Geekitude nights. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of geekitude, what are your areas of geekitude? Areas that you feel very strong uh, in in the geek culture community? Well, I'm contractually obligated to say Hearthstone. Of course. <laughs> but other than that, I'm kind of a um, a geek of all hobs, if you will, like a jack of all trades, but I'm not a master of sort of any particular one. I used to be the go-to guy to ask comic book questions about, but I've fallen off of that a little bit with the more modern stuff. Uh, I'd like to say that I'm a video gamer, but right now I don't have a next-gen console, and I'm running an iMac from 2008, so I can't really play too many games, uh, although the desire to burns hot. Uh, yes. This Christmas season, I'm looking to get into an Xbox One so I can finally play like Metal Gear Solid 5 and Fallout 4 and all those fun things. Um, but and I guess I do know a marginal amount about anime. I've watched some of the classics like Cowboy Bebop, Gurren Lagann, things like that. That's very cool. That's that's an area that I'm very low in in geekitude, and uh, and I have a couple friends that keep saying, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll get you into it," but we just have not our our stars have not aligned <laughs> in that area for me. Uh, you mentioned comic books. What was your what was your uh, brand? Was it DC or Marvel? I never really chose a side. I much like the Star Wars, Star Trek debate. I didn't feel like there needed to be that separation. I could appreciate both Marvel and DC. Very cool. Very cool. Um, any areas where you feel your geekitude is low? I certainly do. Uh, I'm not much of a music buff. Uh, I have friends that say, hey, check out this band and I'll check it out and then I'll get into it. But I haven't really gone out and dug deep and found like a bunch of artists that I really enjoy. It's just sort of I'll 
take it as it comes. So, uh, sorely lacking in music, and I'm not much of a movie buff, especially when it comes to the classics. Like, I'll go out and watch contemporary movies, but my movie education is oddly eclectic and sort of spotty. Well, that's understandable. I, as far as the music goes, I always consider myself a second-hand listener. Like, I listen to whatever the people around me happen to be listening to. So I hear that. And, yeah, as far as movies go, there's just so many at this point. <laughs> there's just, like, like where do you even begin if you haven't if you haven't had that as your thing for a really long time? So, and here's yeah. the thing. They just keep making more. How am I going to catch up? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so you're working on anything now? I know you have uh, the Hearthcore podcast. Anything else going on? Well, uh, last what was it? Last Sunday was the first recording session for a new two-man Let's Play YouTube channel that I'm trying to get started as well. So that's something in the works right now. It's tentatively titled Avocado Juice. Okay. Now, juice might seem a little obvious because that would be me, but I have a friend by the name of Matthew... Acevedo, who we refer to as Matt Avocado. Nice. Because learning last names just, you know, doesn't fit with my fast-paced lifestyle. Absolutely. So that's something else that I'm working on right now. And other than that, just trying to stay afloat up here in L.A. You're doing anything specific for that Let's Play? We are playing through Undertale. It's going to be Matt's first time playing it, and I have already played it a couple of times. Now, for those of you who who might not know, Undertale is an indie title that was crowdsourced and it's available on Steam, and it's kind of hit the internet by storm, which is how I heard about it. It's influenced by other Japanese RPGs like uh, Earthbound Mother, and it's an RPG where you can go through and never kill anything, which is kind of its claim to fame. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. That's it sounds awesome. Yeah, you can go and befriend the random encounters like um for example, the very first section you go through there's these enemies called froggets and so you can attack them or you can compliment them. <laughs> and the the text on it is fantastic. It says the froggit doesn't understand what you just said, but it appreciates it. <laughs> and so then it decides not to attack you, but the it's just a very clever creative game and I highly recommend checking it out. It's That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It it certainly is. Now, do you have a favorite fandom that you kind of gravitate towards or find yourself uh, always going back to? I'd say the Blizzard fandom in general is just mm-hmm. such a great fandom. It's very positive, I feel. Uh Except for the small stint in Hearthstone when I first started playing where people would friend you after games and, like, complain about how you got lucky and you're a terrible person. Uh, That hasn't happened to anybody I know in a long time. Lately, people have been adding me as a friend after games to ask me about the deck I'm using or card choices or just say, hey, that was a great game. So I I honestly think that uh, the Blizzard fandom is just a fantastic group of positive people. For the most part. Yeah, at least I think we've all, we've kind of converged together. <laughs> and there's there's the little black hole area of, of the Blizzard fandom that we kind of just try not to talk about. <laughs> We're like, we'll just be positive over here, guys. You do your thing. You, you do what you're going to do on your server. And we're going to be over <laughs> here. 
And you're right. I have not had. Uh, I, I think I maybe had one or two at the beginning, like you said, people who friended and then uh, kind of led into you. But uh, but yeah, it's been relatively. I've had a couple people friend, and I've done a couple friending things too, where I've, I've been like, "Wow, that was an amazing deck," and I haven't seen it in the meta at all. So yeah, yeah. People have asked me like, "What deck list is that?" Things like that. So that's really exciting, where people will go out of their way to like compliment you and see kind of what your strategy is. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think just from, from listening to you on your show uh, that you do net deck, but you tend to like to, to kind of play your own as well, right? I do. I Sometimes if I'm feeling particularly like lost as far as what kind of deck to play, I'll take a look online, see if there's any decks that look like they'd be a lot of fun. I'll play them a little bit, tweak them to what I like them to be more like if the the metagame is currently kind of aggressive and so let's put some more early stuff in so i'm pretty good at tweaking decks but coming up with just decks from scratch is something that i'm still working on yeah it's it's always fun to to kind of come up with something new and and but it's it's a hard thing to do simply because so many people have already created such great decks that it's kind of like yeah i'll do this and this and this and you think it's all new and wonderful, and then it's like, oh, it's just that deck list over there. <laughs> oh, wait a sec. This is just Mech Mage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but all the pieces fit together so well. Oh, oh there, yep, just Mech Mage. You know, the, the new people who are like, I'm the first person who ever came up with the idea of Murlocs. How can anybody not know this? <laughs> oh, man, I love me some Murlocs. Yeah, yeah. The new, the new expansion should have... Uh, a little effect on that, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. We certainly will. Yes. Yes. Any uh, any guilty pleasures? Any things that you don't tell a lot of people that you're into, but nonetheless you like? Um, I'm actually pretty open with what I'm into. Let's see. Uh, mm, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm an open book. I don't really have anything like that. I guess one of my guilty pleasures would be. I just like I'll watch a show that I don't think is good ironically. Oh, okay. And now I don't want to call anybody out. I love watching Arrow, but the first couple seasons of Arrow, I was watching it because it made me laugh. Like yes. it took itself so incredibly seriously, but at the same time was handling these just incredibly fun scenes and whatnot like when they finally got the boxing glove arrow (laughs) it's like all these ridiculous things that they're trying to take very seriously and that that um that made it really enjoyable for me so they hit me on an axis i don't think they were looking to hit me on but they did so i'll watch stuff like that that makes sense because i we we watch arrow and i I think we started really kind of paying attention to it when they added Felicity in full time. And that makes sense because her snark kind of took it out of that uber seriousness for a while. You know, or at least any time it was starting to go that direction, it's all of a sudden you get a little snarky comment and it's like, oh, OK, <laughs> that, that feels a little bit better. And we're back. <laughs> yeah, and my my ongoing joke with my friends that also watch the show is by the time they hit the fifth season, they're just going to have flashbacks to the first season. Yes, <laughs> it's true. Oh, and of course, you are dead for five years. 
It's just like <laughs> nobody was happy he came back. Everybody was so angry at him right off the bat. Uh, it was a lot. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it is. It's a very fun show. Well, very good. Well, thank you for uh, sharing your geekiness with us. And uh, now we're going to talk a little bit about what we did this week, our our most recent geek explorations. Um, I have broken down and gotten a subscription to Marvel Unlimited. It's that uh, it's basically their online catalog of comic books, and you can get stuff that's like six months up to six months ago. So the last six months they don't have on there, but every month they add the next month. And uh, part of it was because I've I've been a huge Rachel and Miles explains the X Men fan, and I just finally was like, I'm not going to go back and find all these back issues, <laughs> but I can go and catch up on it this way. So, so that was one of the little things that I've done over the last couple of weeks. Um, I've also November. I don't know if you ever have done this, but November's. Uh, the Nano Rimo, the National I November National Writing Month. I have heard of it, and I've never participated because I'm more of a, a sprinter when it comes to writing. That's why I like tweeting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm a I'm an English teacher, and uh, I told my students I was like, you know what, we're we're gonna do some writing in November. And when I told them about Nano Rimo, they're like, fifty thousand words? No. And I was like, no, we're not gonna have you do fifty thousand words. But uh, I said I wanted them to write every day, you know, whether it be in a journal or or just, you know, if they wanted to work a little bit on a story every day, but, you know, 15, 20 minutes a day of writing. And as part of that deal, I said, you know what, I'm going to post to the Geektitude blog every day of November. And um, it's tough. It's tough to sit down and write every single day. And I missed two days. I missed the two days of BlizzCon. Went back and admitted it to the students. I was like, you know what, guys? Not even I can do it every day, and that's okay. If I can go back and catch up, I will. But you got pushing you got to have your cheat days. Exactly. You have to have your cheat days. Um, but it's been a good experience. It's forced me to kind of come up with things to talk about, and uh, and I think it's a good example to to have the kids see that you know we we're willing to do what we assign. So yeah. it's not so much a uh, do as I say, not as I do situation. Exactly, exactly. And I feel like that becomes the uh, norm for a lot of our kids. They they kind of think, well, we just have to do this because we have to do this and there's no meaning behind it. And it's like at the very least, you're developing a habit. And, uh, and I think that's a good thing. And heck, everybody can use at least one more good habit, I feel. Exactly. Exactly. Why? Why wait until uh, New Year's when you're you're going to do that resolution? You know, might as well just do it when it's when it's fresh and and opportunity provides itself. Yeah, so. I just call it the January resolution because I'm realistic. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe that's that's better way to go because a month is a lot more accomplishable than forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm deciding right now, New Year's Eve, to do something for the rest of my life. Here we go. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think the the last little thing last night we had a, a friend over. We've been um, catching up on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Our friend has seen it, and I have seen it, but my husband has never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And we were like, okay, this has to this has to change. So um, every week we get together and we watch uh, uh, two or three episodes. And really, it's an excuse to kind of get together and have dinner and drink. But uh, but it's it's still fun and it's still kind of like you know 90s oh it's so 90s oh it it is I 
I watched the whole series, I think, a couple of years ago, back when I was in college, when I had the freest of times, because I did college a little bit weird, where I started taking upper division courses in my second year, and so by the time I hit my fourth and fifth years, I had to go back and take 100-level courses. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was... I didn't really follow the road there, but it started off... I took a class called Medieval Madness, uh, which was a literature course, and I showed my friend my sweet schedule. I was like, Josh, that's a 500-level class. And I was like, oh, I'll be fine. We're fine. We're cool. <laughs> and it, it was a great class. So I ended up watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer over the course of like a week and a half. Nice. Nice. That's the way to do it. Got it all absorbed into me. The big thing is pushing him through uh, the first season because it's very episodic and it's very, you know, baddie of the week. And then it always ends with the possibility that whatever they fought is coming back, but it never does. <laughs> and uh, and so he's he's not at all a geek. And so he'll he'll be sitting there watching it, and he's like, okay, who's that character? And my friend and I will look at him and like, that's Cordelia. She's been in absolutely every, every episode <laughs> that we've watched thus far. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay. Well, so he's trying. I, I heard that episode he was on, so, you know, it sounds like he does have some aptitude for geekitude. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's, he's got potential. He does have potential. We we just need to to sculpt a little bit and I think I think we will get there. And once her sister gets introduced, I mean all bets are off. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, how about you? What you've been up oh, to? Oh, it has been a busy week as a 20 something, a single 20 something. I have a lot of extra time on my hands. So, I started the anime One Punch Man which is just a fantastic fun ride. Uh, luckily, my friend has a Hulu account that I can use. Uh, One Punch Man is an anime about a guy who felt like he wanted to be a hero for fun, but he got too strong, and so he can defeat any enemy with one punch. And so it's just sort of his day-to-day dealing with that situation. He, he's too. It, there's no uh, no challenge to it anymore? Is that kind of the, the problem? <laughs> That's the problem. He's like, he's looking... For a, a real fight, and he's always a little bit disappointed. And so sounds great. He's just getting punched by a giant monster, and he's like, "Oh, did I miss? Did I miss the sale? Is today Saturday? Ah, oh, shoot, <laughs> I missed the sale at the store." So that kind of fun stuff. Um, it used to be uh, a manga, and before that, it was a web comic. But I'm finally catching it now that I can just watch it while I'm doing something else. Uh, like I said before, I had the first recording of Avocado Juice. I recorded the first solo episode of Hearthcore, which is usually a two-man thing. And ironically enough, the next day, my co-host said, hey, I could probably make time for recording episodes now. <laughs> awesome. Now that you've grown as a person. Well, now you can you can bring that knowledge and that growth back to the, back to the team effort. Yeah, and I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I went out and bought one of the new Magic the Gathering Commander 2015 decks, which are pre-constructed decks for the Commander format, which is a 100-card singleton format. Uh, Played it out of the box with my roommate a little bit, went and played it with another person that's kind of learning the format, and then I completely tore apart my room looking for old rares so I could trick it out. Nice. After that, I went to a party at Nerdist HQ, which is an improv school, and jammed out to like 90s songs with a bunch of people I know. And 
I think one of the biggest ways that I'm keeping it geeky this week is I'm on a podcast called Geektitude. So that's hard to beat. Yes, you are. And uh, and we're like I said, we're we're very happy to have you. Very happy to have you. Now, tell me a little bit about uh, Nerdist HQ. Um, how was that? So that was a lot of fun. One of the reasons I came up to L.A. from San Diego so I could start doing more comedy. Uh, but unfortunately, you also need money for that. So I am recently got hired by a grocery store. So I'm working there. So I'm going to start taking classes at Nerdist once they start up and have uh, people uh, or classes available to join. But Nerdist is connected to Meltdown Comics and it has a pretty big internet presence now, but this is uh, the the improv school is a fairly recent development. So it's much like Second City or Upright Citizens Brigade, where they you can take classes and join teams and whatnot there. Well, that's very cool. I'm I'm excited to hear how that goes for you because I when I got out of college, I did the the L.A. Hollywood thing for a while, and it's tough. And my hats off to you, sir, for for going out there and and doing it because it's it's a a challenging thing to do. Oh, it certainly is. I actually, um, it's it's been an interesting like two or three months so far. I, I moved up in August, and then we finally, or I got the apartment in August, and then through a series of odd events, I ended up not having a job anymore, and I went back down to San Diego to work on home renovations for friends of the family, so I can get money to pay for rent up here while I was down in San Diego crashing at my family's house again. So mm-hmm. it's been it's been an interesting ride, but I think things are finally getting sorted out. Well, very cool. Well, we, we wish you the best of luck there. Oh, well, thank you. I'll take it. I'll take it off. <laughs> very cool. All right, so let's move on to some news this week. Not a lot going on, but some fun stuff. Uh, the San Diego Comic-Con pre-sale tickets went on sale yesterday. Uh, you're from San Diego. Have you Have you been? Oh, I... This last Comic-Con was the first Comic-Con that I hadn't been to since I was 13. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Now, is that because you had trouble getting tickets or just didn't have the time? That is definitely because I had trouble getting the tickets. <laughs> uh, I The pre-sale didn't work out for me, and then the regular sale also didn't work out for me. And so we, I had my typical network of friends and whatnot that we sort of gathered to try and get tickets and... It was a group of people, like groups of three, and so it was like, hey, if you don't get tickets, grab me a ticket, and I'll grab somebody else a ticket, things like that, but uh, it just just didn't work out. Yeah, we we had a hard time last year as well. I've been going for about a good 20 years, and uh, we, last year, I, I got Thursday and Sunday, and that's the best I could do. And I was very upset, very, very upset. So there was some finagling with passes that may have happened um, when the actual event hit. But but strangely enough, this last year, um, there's three of us that are very big into it that have been going for a very long time. And then um, two of us have significant others that are um, semi-interested, but if they don't get in, it's not a big deal. So we have you know five five passes that we're trying to get. And where last year we barely got two of them to pop in the queue, uh, this year we got four of the five. Oh, well, there you go. To the, to the point where we were like, I feel like we should be giving these away to other people because <laughs> they're going to go to waste because we have no more tickets to buy. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully that meant that somebody else got one. So Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I wasn't eligible for the pre-sale this year because I didn't get to go last year. So I'm gonna see if I can take my chances once the the unwashed masses can try and get tickets. But uh, last year, instead, I went to WonderCon up in Anaheim. So might be something I do again. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I've, we've been talking about going to that just because it, it it sounds like it's a little bit more old school Comic Con. Yeah. Very cool. Well, if you guys need a couple of extra IDs this year, we'll we'll be glad to to log in and and camp out with you. Okay, I'll uh, hit you up on that one. Very cool. And they announced this week that um, before the Force Awakens, which I think we're all very excited about, they're going to run the first X Men Apocalypse trailer, which is kind of a lot of geek in one uh, <laughs> in one movie. Now, this is going to be one of those trailer deals where I don't think you're going to have people just watching for the trailer and then leaving. No, no. I think they I think they picked one where people are going to stick around a little bit. Now, is this some sweet cross-promotional synergy by Disney going on right here? It might be. It might be. I, I still am kind of not sure how the whole Disney-Fox thing is working out for them. I know that, uh, you know, X-Men's the, the Fox side of things, but, you know, they do have the Marvel properties at Disney, so I'm sure that it doesn't hurt them in any way, but uh, I'm not quite sure how organized and cross-promotional it, it was, because I just don't know how much they cooperate. Yeah, me neither. Not not too sure, but, I mean, now that Disney owns just about everything, it's it's only a matter of time. It's true. It's true. Now, you said that there was some interesting stuff coming out as we get closer to The Force Awakens, dealing with uh, some of the original movies. Not the original, the uh, first three movies. So there's been a, a lot of fan theories that are coming out of the woodworks right now where they are saying that Jar Jar Binks was supposed to be the anti-Yoda of the first um, – or the uh, episode one, two, and three, where much like Yoda – He's sort of a character that we take not very seriously when he's first introduced. Uh, he's kind of a goofy guy. But uh, people have been slowing down clips, going through the lore, things like that, and deciding that Jar Jar Binks was supposed to be the original villain, like the overarching villain of the whole thing. Um, where they're slowing down clips where he's talking to people, like when he's getting battlefield promotions, he's moving his hands. Whenever he's talking, he's always moving his hands in a weird way, and people are saying that's how he uses the um, sort of the force persuasion, much like uh, how Obi-Wan would move his hand when he's saying, these are not the droids you're looking for. Uh, Jar Jar Binks is doing that in a more subtle fashion, and he's behind people, uh, mouthing the words that they're saying a little bit before they say it when he's trying to muck up the works. Uh, there's clips online. It's uncanny, especially because he is a digital character, and so everything was done on purpose. And also, I believe the voice actor came out and said that he was glad that people finally got it. Now, unfortunately, the fan reaction to Jar Jar Binks was so vitriolic that they decided to scrap it and go with Count Dooku at the last second, which is why that kind of got shoehorned in a little bit. But I think that was the hugest missed opportunity where they could have just redeemed what they did in episode one with that character. Yeah, if it was all sitting there waiting for them, whether it was intentional or not, that that would have been uh, that would have been a different way to go because, 
believe it or not, I think Darth Binks is a little bit more interesting than what we got. Can you imagine him with the the hood of his robe up and then like two little eye holes coming out of it? It's it's it's, it's both creepy and um and hilarious all at the same time. <laughs> You're going to die now. <laughs> I had I had a couple of months ago my students got Jar Jar Binks in their head and all of them are running around talking like Jar Jar Binks. Oh, well, Fifteen year old boys are just silly. And so yeah, we had Jar Jar Binks everywhere. I was like, Okay, guys, stop it with the Jar Jar, please. Guys, he's a villain. And I <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to like bring that. this I'll have to bring this back and say, all right, guys, you know, this is why. This is why we don't talk Jar Jar Binks in here. <laughs> I will not allow Sith talk in here. I'll go ahead and link you one of the pages because it is a very compelling argument. I, I love that kind of stuff. And uh, and so, yeah, I'll definitely look at that. Uh, the last thing we have on the news here is that this week they announced that uh, AMC acquired the rights to George Romero's Empire of the Dead comic book series, which – it depends on why they they acquired it. If if they're thinking of making yet another va- uh, zombie series, I think they might be overextending a bit. No, it's a um, AMC Zombie Network. Yes, exactly, exactly. I think more than likely they are probably trying to kind of keep other networks from competing, and so they're just kind of holding on to the rights, but. It's either that or they're going to wait until The Walking Dead is done and then throw that out there as kind of the next generation of zombie for them. But I can't imagine they're going to do a third series while the first two are running. Well, they, what if they just try and incorporate some of those elements from The Empire of the Dead into The Walking Dead, the TV show? Uh, I mean, I'm not too familiar with The Empire of the Dead. I don't know if it's the same sort of universe or anything like that, but they could be trying to get the character rights. Maybe they could be. I don't know that they would integrate it, especially since George Romero has not had positive things to say about uh, Robert Kirkman, um, which makes a lot of fans sad because both uh, Kirkman and Max Brooks of uh, World War Z have have talked about how Romero is such a big influence to them. And that's why you Um, never meet your hero. Exactly. Exactly. But, um, you know, I mean, other than it being a George Romero property, which I think would certainly draw people in, apparently it does deal with um, vampires and how vampires deal with a zombie outbreak, hmm. um, which is something that that Max Brooks explored in his Empire of the or not Empire of the um, uh, in his work that was also titled Empire of the Dead. Yes, exactly. Um, Extinction Parade, and it was the idea of vampires not having to worry about anything. Because, you know, they're the alpha predator, and then all of a sudden their food source starts turning into zombies. Oh. And they ignore it for so long, and then all of a sudden they're like, "What? we we can't find things to eat. So it's an interesting concept. Um, I don't know if uh, Romero's vampires are in the same situation or if it's a completely different look, but... I'm I've I've acquired the the first uh, collection of the series and we'll see we'll read through that next week or two and see how it how it turns out. Yeah, you'll have to let me know cuz vampires and zombies that's I think that's a little over the top. Yes, maybe <laughs> just a bit, maybe just a bit. <laughs> There's also exactly one werewolf. Yes, because you have to have the, you know, the triad. Yes. Very cool. 
Um, so that's about it for the news. Uh, one of the big things that I wanted to talk to you about today is you, sir, went to BlizzCon. I did indeed go to BlizzCon, yes, that is correct. And uh, and so I was hoping you could fill us in on some of the amazing and fun things that happened there, because uh, uh, like you with the Comic-Con tickets last year, I was unable to get BlizzCon tickets, so um, I had to kind of watch online and, and just kind of absorb through osmosis and everybody else's experience so i'm I'm anxious to hear what it's like now uh it is it is intense it is an intense experience now unfortunately the friday of blizzcon that was my first day of work and so i got there around six so i didn't get to see too much of friday like i got to catch the tail end of some hearthstone stuff uh being played but the big news for me, because I do that Hearthstone podcast, was both the World Championship that I got to watch with just a bunch of people, and watching something like that with a group of passionate people, very interesting, especially because it's all being streamed on giant screens, and somebody will top deck an Azure Drake, and people will just lose their minds. <laughs> it sounds amazing. It sounds like it's just a very fun, very group you know, crowd uh, mob mentality kind of thing going on. And I think it's so very cool. And they gave out these thunder sticks, which are these like inflatable tubes that you bang together. And so there was like a million of those going off whenever anything crazy happened. Nice. And of course, the new expansion that they announced on Friday of BlizzCon and then said it was coming out next Thursday, which was last Thursday. And that is the League of Explorers. Now, uh, that's going to be the newest adventure pack for Hearthstone, so they've been alternating between adventure packs and uh, card packs, so to speak. Now, have you have you gotten the first wing yet? And if so, have you crawled through it yet? Oh, I got the first wing. I just bought all four of them with money. Mm-hmm. It's twenty dollars, and I figured, hey, I deserve something nice. Absolutely. But sometimes the problem is, I feel that way more often than I feel like I should. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have to say, as they were saying, and this is now on pre-sale, and this is also now on pre-sale, and I'm like, click buy, click buy, uh-oh, <laughs> I probably should stop. I deserve several nice things right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so I got the first wing. It's it's a lot of fun. I'm constantly impressed by what they can do with the the 1v1 table format. Like the mm-hmm. latest tavern brawl where you have to team up with another person and fight a minion that's just kind of floating on either side of the board is super impressive. It was it was very fun. I, I hope they do more of that in the future. I, I'm wondering if I know with Overwatch they have the new uh, the voice chat thing that they're integrating in, which I was very, very nervous about when they first announced it because I don't like being yelled at for being terrible at a first-person shooter. But um, I feel like if you have these situations where you're with a random person, it would really help, you know, in that kind of situation. I I can see the downfalls, but that was the first time where I was like, I really wish I could talk to this guy because I wonder what his cards are like. I wonder what his hand is is looking like and what he's going to be playing. And it might be an interesting way to integrate that into the Hearthstone experience. So they were talking about something like that. I did end up going to the the fireside chat for Hearthstone on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But because they didn't have a way to communicate with the person you were playing with, 
immediately, that actually gave rise to a very interesting situation that they heard about like a lot, which was you would add the person that you tried it with as a friend if you didn't beat it. Mm-hmm. And they heard a lot of people were adding each other as friends and saying, okay, let's go ahead and let's give it one more try. We're going to use some communication. We're going to take this guy down. Because if you're just playing with a random person and no communication, it is incredibly difficult. So it actually caused a lot of people to form online friendships. Well, that's really cool. That's that's an awesome thing. And And the fact that they got that immediate feedback is hopefully an indication that they'll be doing – more things that will kind of connect people together. Oh, yeah. The the Fireside Chat was primarily about tavern brawls, and so they said that they were definitely looking into more uh, team tavern brawls, things like that. Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, now, what other Blizzard properties other than Hearthstone do you play? So I play some World of Warcraft. I'm by no means an expert at it. Uh, I've dabbled a bit in Heroes of the Storm, and... Unfortunately, StarCraft never quite got into it. I'm not much of a uh, real-time strategy player. I'm more of a big-picture kind of guy, not a micromanaging kind of guy. I'm right there with you. <laughs> and Diablo, I'd love to play, but my computer doesn't run it very well. So it's it's on my list. I have so many people that I want to play it with, but at the same time, it's it's just not working out quite. Yet. Right. So I'm interested in it. I like the the looty sort of the, yeah the loot gathering and whatnot. Yeah, it's always fun to get stuff. Yeah, I like stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, and Overwatch, it's once it comes out for Mac, and if my Mac can play it, I'm going to be playing it all the time. Yeah, it's it's fun game. I I did get into the beta, and and I was as I was telling you earlier, I am I am not a first person shooter player at all this is probably my first and it uh, that's where i'm kind of glad that the the voice chat is new and a lot of people shy away from it because i i don't like being yelled at <laughs> what are you doing why do we need two snipers well, well i'm gonna play a sniper because i don't have to move and shoot i can just sit up here and shoot when i see things <laughs> yeah and <laughs> that reminds me i i play some team fortress 2 as well and so there's always those times where you see that when you're trying to switch classes, there's five people playing sniper, and you're just like, well, guys, come on. We can't all be snipers. But sometimes it works. That was one of the one of the experiences I have had with voice chat is um, we were just getting owned in one of the battlegrounds, and this guy comes on and he says, all right, guys, their Reinhardt is really, really overpowered, so let's just all stay at the base, respawn, and then all play Reinhardt's. <laughs> And so five of us just kind of chunking out with our shields up, and we just got owned. But it was still a lot of fun because we're like, all right, that was great. Let's do it again because we're not going to win this anyway. So let's, let's, let's make the other team laugh. At least we're going to make a phalanx. Exactly, exactly. So it was a lot of fun. I'm, I've been adding a lot of people that uh, are also in the beta just because they're, they're positive people. And, and there definitely are those people that chime in and they're like, what are you doing? Or why are we doing this? Or you guys all suck. But then there's other people who, you know, always constantly, you know, good job guys, great game, better luck next time. And it's kind of like, those are the people I want to be surrounded with. So I'll group up with them. Much like the rest of the the Blizzard community, I feel like those naysayers are going to be the outliers and it's going to be a lot of people that are looking to just have fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all do this as, 
you know, escapism to get away from our regular lives and the stuff that we stress about. And you know, why do we want that to be negative too? Yeah. So I don't want to be playing video game with somebody that's like that would be yelling at somebody else on a subway. I already have yeah, to deal exactly. with that. <laughs> so yeah. So anything else from BlizzCon that really kind of stood out to you that made you kind of uh, perk up with notice? Well. I did get to play through the last boss of the first wing of the League of Explorers. They set it up where you can go in. They had pre-made decks for you. And the first deck that I chose was Murloc Shaman. Like, they called it something with Murlocs, and I was like, that's the one. I'm playing that one because I love Murlocs. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Murlocs are always fun. And that was one of the first decks that I ever made in Hearthstone was Murlocs. And so I think we're getting a lot more Murloc support uh, for Shaman and Paladin, as well as the Murloc Tinyfin, which is adorable. It is adorable. It is the cutest uh, little baby Murloc. Now, I also do have to ask, did you play through any of the League of Explorers? I did. I finished the wing. Um, I haven't done it on her. I'm really bad about going back and doing stuff in Heroic. I just, I, I'm, I'm there to get the cards. Um, but this one kind of made me stop and go, this is really fun. I liked I liked the one where you had to escape. You had ten turns to survive. Oh yeah, that one on heroic is tough. Is it what is what is the change? Is it just what they play, and you still have ten turns, or do you have more turns you have to survive? It's still ten turns. It's just they throw a lot more at you. So I had to. I made like a a warrior deck that was just full of taunts, and I was just like, all right, we're just gonna survive. <laughs> we're just gonna we're just turtle here and it will be all good this is where we stand this is where they die <laughs> um have you have you got your eye on any cards that are coming out with the uh adventure i have my eye on several cards one of the cards that uh, you get immediately is the forgotten torch and that's a three mm -hmm. mana deal three damage and su shuffle a raging torch into your deck, which is a three mana deal six damage. That's mm -hmm. for mages. And I figured, hey, you know what mages need? More fireballs. So exactly more fireballs. So I haven't integrated it quite yet. I haven't been playing too much mage recently, but uh, it's definitely going into the tempo mage deck that I've been playing. But um, Jin of Zephyrs which is that 5-mana 4-6 that whenever you cast a spell that targets one of your friendly minions, you cast it on it as well, is mm -hmm. an interesting... Um, it's an interesting card that I think is going to facilitate more uh, Voltron-y, let me stack up enchantments and buffs on this one minion, which we haven't really seen too much of lately. I mean, there's Combo Priest, but that's not a big deck in the metagame right now. Right. But I think it could be, especially because I did a little testing, and if you cast Powered Shield on a minion, which is a one-mana, give it um, plus three or plus two health, and draw a card, you'll draw two cards. Yeah, I I hate playing against Priests right now because it tends to be those big decks, and um, I play Snakes and Drakes, which I know you've, you've oh, talked about on your Drakes. show. Love Snakes and Drakes. And um, and it's great if I have those hunters marks, but if I don't have those hunters marks, the the health just goes up so quickly, and it's like I'm I'm never going to get through this thing. Oh yeah, dragon. 
there was a time where I was going through the ladder with Snakes and Drakes, and every second or third match was against Dragon Priest, which has those ridiculous taunts in the early game. Yeah, it's just constant taunts, and you're like, I, I just, I just want to hit his face, just, just a couple times. <laughs> Let me get to the face. <laughs> Uh, but it got to the point where at first I started dreading those matches because I was like, oh, not this again. They have their taunts are too good. But then I realized that I started winning a lot against priests, so I got very good at playing that matchup. Yeah, well, when you're forced to like literally throw your your minions against the wall over and over again, after a while, you're like, well, if I just change it this way and I just play this particular sequence, I might be able to get through. Yeah, it's a good it's a good way to practice. And I didn't mind throwing minions against the wall, especially if you have a cult master. Absolutely, absolutely. I've had a couple people after I've played the cult master combos, just you know, well played. <laughs> just concede right there. Yeah, I'm still surprised at how many people are not familiar with that deck because I mean, obviously they're making the mistake of not listening to your your show or or top deck kings, but. Um, it's it's a good deck. It's a very strong deck. It is good, and it is very strong, especially when people don't know about it. Yes. If people kind of figure out what the game is with Snakes and Drakes, it becomes a lot harder to pilot, because then you have to kind of force them into those situations that they might enter willingly before. Right, right. And you can tell when somebody kind of knows what you're going for, because they stop hitting your minions, and you're like, but I've got I've got a snake trap right there. Just just hit me. <laughs> you know you want to. <laughs> just hit that minion. And they're like, nah, I'm just going to hit you in the face and drop a ton. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, and as somebody who has played a lot of Snakes and Drakes, I think the season before last, I went from 20-something wins on ladder with my hunter to 280 wins. And that was all oh, Snakes wow. and Drakes. Um, playing against the Snakes and Drakes mirror match happens once or twice. And... I just knew exactly what they were trying to do, and they were probably surprised that they saw it on the ladder. So, uh, Or whenever I play against a deck that drops a secret and it's not any of the, the big two, which is the, um, the freezing trap and the explosive trap, I'm just like, this mm -hmm. might be snakes and drakes. And so I just play around it. Yeah, I've, I've noticed quite a few um, snake traps lately, and I'm kind of like, uh, I don't know that this is snakes and drakes, but I'm gonna play as if it is because I'm, I'm not quite sure why you have a snake trap if it isn't well in the new metagame now that grim patron isn't so explosive the decks are getting a little more aggressive because they aren't being punished immediately by grim patrons coming out and getting new grim patrons for their two and one attack minions and right so at this point, Snake Trap is probably pretty good because you're going to be playing a lot of decks that are kind of low to the ground mana-wise and have aggressive but small minions. And so if you throw mm -hmm. a snake into one and two snakes into another one and kind of take some of that pressure off, you can establish a board presence. It does make a difference. It does, And I, I think that's why this deck is so strong because it, it's very adaptable to, to whatever is being thrown at you. Oh, yeah, and it's got a huge top end as well, which I think throws people off. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I am looking forward to Entomb, the the six mana card priest card that is choose an enemy minion shuffled into your deck. <laughs> Mostly because I I've yet to get it to work, but I've kind of played with the the Dill's concept of milkshake decks where you're basically stealing or 
playing the other person's deck for them. <laughs> and it, it's just a fun trolley deck. And when it works, it's phenomenal. It doesn't work very often, but I was like, as soon as they announced that card, I was like, that's a milkshake deck card. So I'm I'm looking forward to that one. And uh, I also, I have kind of like, until that comes out, I have kind of a starter form of that that I put uh, Reno Jackson into. Who's <laughs> a fantastic character. Yes, I absolutely adore the character. And uh, and I've I've had some some good luck with him because when you get low enough, I, I'm a greedy player, so I like to get the most value out of a card as possible. And there have definitely been games where I've waited too long to play Reno. Yeah. But uh, but when you play him and you're at like four or five health and all of a sudden you're back up at 30, it, it is a nice feeling. Yeah, I think people are throwing him in, not building their decks any differently, but just assuming they'll play him once they get to a really low deck number or even into fatigue. Mm-hmm. Well, the the very first Milkshake deck I ever played, I was frustrated because I couldn't get as many cards in as I wanted to. And then I was like, well, if I just put in one of each card anyway then, um, you know, this works out perfectly. So I've kind of taken that strategy where I do build it around, you know, hopefully getting him at some point and knowing that I can play him anytime and I'll go up to 30. Yeah, for six mana, for a four six, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Oh, and I also gained 30 life. Or 29 yes. life, yes. Yep, uh, I haven't played around with him too much yet. Um, it, it just hasn't been quite what I was looking for. I'm working on a shaman control build that has a mm-hmm. pretty high top end, and so that could definitely be something that I want to throw in because the crack a pack challenge this week was Healing Wave, which is a shaman card that heals you for either 7 or 14, depending on whether or not you win the joust. And it's a very frustrating card to play against. Uh-huh. <laughs> you see that come on? It's like, come on. I just got rid of that 14 life. And then they they beat you by one mana cost on the minion, and you're just like, no! <laughs> Why? Yeah, yeah no, definitely a very, very strong card. And I feel like they keep trying to fix Shaman, and I don't know that they found it with this one, with this expansion. Um, the Tunnel Trog might help with the overload they've been trying to build i think a little bit of an overload deck between that and uh is it lava burst yes lava burst is uh it it frees up your overloaded crystals or lava yeah it's lava lava um, shock lava shock okay yeah so yeah so i think i think they're trying to go in that direction for shaman but i'm not sure i'm not sure they're there yet Neither am I, but the good thing about Shaman is you can put down some some pretty reasonable threats, and Shaman does have some interesting ways that people have kind of are interesting ways to deal with uh, a lot of things that people have kind of forgotten about because it isn't a very popular class. Like mm-hmm. Earthshock is fantastic. It really is. It's a very strong spell. It's the one um, mana spell that it deals reduces... it silences and deals one damage. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's extremely strong, especially in, um, when you're going up against things like, uh, Handlock, there's nothing more satisfying than, than getting the, uh, is it Twilight Drake? Oh yeah. Oh, that, that is a fun thing to Earthshock. <laughs> oh, you had nine health. Mm, that's interesting. Cause I think you only have one and now you have zero <laughs> elements guide me. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully Shaman's back. I mean, that was 
honestly, when it first came out, I played a lot of Shaman, and I, I missed the class. It's a fun class to play, and I was really excited when uh, the Grand Tournament came out because it felt like we we're going to do, okay, Totem, Totem Shaman's going to be, you know, in the meta, and it, it can hold its own, but it's certainly not competitive. It's definitely not first, not even second tier. Yeah, it's not the most consistent of decks. No, it really isn't. It really, really isn't. But when you get when you get it off and it's just like, now I'm hitting you with all these totems that were just lying around. You didn't do anything for them, but now they're, they all have five attack or four attack. Exactly. Um, my absolute first love was uh, Zulok. I think a lot of people start off with that because it's a relatively inexpensive deck, or at least it was when, when the game first came out. Um, I'm kind of hoping Dark Peddler, which is the... Two two for two. That's discover a one cost card. Might bring some Zulok out. I'm not sure that it's there yet. Oh yeah, that's a huge piece for it because <laughs> that's what they need. Is they need more cards because Zulok a lot of times will still run out of steam even though they do have that uh, the life tap ability. And so yeah, just that as well as um, I think they might also play maybe one of those new scarabs that has discover a three cost card. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just being able to put a minion out on the board and get that value, I feel, is just going to be exactly what Zulok is looking for. Yeah, definitely. And I think you're talking about the Jewel Scarab, which is a two-mana, one-one, discover a three-cost card. Yes, that is the one I'm talking about. And I think mages, on the topic of other cards, are going to get even more annoying. Not just because of the torch, but they have that new... um, Living Armor minion, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's a 4-mana 4-4, and your hero Mm -hmm. can only take damage in increments of 1. Yeah, that's going to be... I'm I'm interested to see what that goes into. I mean, I guess it can go into tempo. Um, I think it's going to be more annoying in um, Freeze. Oh, yeah. I think it's definitely a card that Freeze is going to use to its advantage just to slow down the game even further. So you don't mm-hmm. pop their ice block. It, it it's just going to be another piece in the eternal game of freeze mage. <laughs> the the most frustrating deck to play with play against ever. Now I actually do have a a mage deck that isn't as popular, but it's echo control. And you told me about that, and I I think it's a very very cool concept. I don't think when you were talking about it on your show, I had all the cards to put it together. Yeah, it's I could see it going into Echo Control because Echo of Medivh is a card where you can create a copy of each minion on your side of the battlefield and put it in your hand. And so you'll get ridiculous things where you get low enough life, and it does play kind of like a Freeze Mage, but you're putting in like Molten Giants, so you drop Molten Giants for free. Um, Echo of of Medivh, drop more Molten Giants for free, uh, maybe even do it again, put some taunts up in there, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but it's just a very fun deck, and I can see putting maybe one or two of those cards in that deck, because uh, it does run a couple of duplicates as well, so they try and kill it, and then you end up with two, and then you can kind of space them out uh, and still just take one damage. So I think it's just another way to prolong the game, which right now, because the the metagame is sort of skewing towards aggressive now that um, now the Grim Patron's gone, uh, it's just going to be another tool that they could use to, to slow it down a little bit. Yeah, because I think, 
I, I tend to like control and mid-range decks. I, I don't care for aggressive as much. And the aggro decks, you know, there has to be mechanisms to slow them down. Otherwise, they just kind of barrel over anything else in their path. They just sort of hunt your face. Exactly. Exactly. Well, very cool. Anything else that stands out to you as far as this n- next iteration of uh, Hearthstone goes? Well, one of the things that I found was that was very interesting that they said in the Q&A section of the Fireside Chat was when they are releasing these cards, they never quite know where the metagame is going to go, whether or not it's going to be like a fast metagame or a slow metagame. They give tools that go in a lot of different directions and see what happens. Uh, so they can create educated guesses, but they mentioned that uh, they never know for sure. So I thought that was interesting. So until the metagame happens after we get all the cards from the League of Explorers, it's going to be interesting to see how it forms. I love new metagames and seeing what gets played and what really creative and professional players will come up with. And if it's anything like something that I was on the road to, I get really excited because I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, I'm not the only one who thought of it. They just perfected it because they have a lot of time on their hands. But I would have got there. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm I'm ready for the meta game to shift a little bit. I It didn't shift as far as... I thought it would after um, the Grim Patron nerf, but um, but I think we're we're headed towards some interesting stuff with this. I hope we are. I hope we yeah, are. Yeah, I think if anything, it's always kind of interesting because whatever the metagame is, you can create a deck that uh, can attack it from a specific angle, or at least find mm-hmm. a deck that if you kind of know what you're looking for as far as what you want to play. Um, you can find a deck or kind of tweak a deck and you know, make it interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Meta game shifting is always fun. It's always an interesting time. It definitely is. It definitely is. And uh, I think we've got a lot of stuff that's out of their normal wheelhouse. So hopefully it'll take us into some pretty cool directions. Yeah. For example, rogues are only getting minions as new cards. Yeah, they were very specific about that. That they were like, "No, we we want you guys to be playing more more bodies bodies on the board." So that might mean that rogues change absolutely none, or it could be that they <laughs> uh, that they strike start trying to do like a more mid range rogue build where they do have those minions. Yeah, definitely. Do you play a lot of rogue? I do not play a lot of rogue. Um, I have played some Milrogue in the past because I thought that deck was a lot of fun. I never really mm-hmm. quite got good at it. And Oil Rogue, I tried that out just to see how to play it because, you know, Sun Tzu, rule number one, know your enemy. Mm-hmm. And it's a fun deck. It requires a lot of, like, calculation and mathematics. And if I optimize this play by... Uh, powering up my weapon and then blade flurrying, I can clear this part of the board and then use um, sap to remove that. It's it's an interesting line of play. It's just um, not something that I found to be that enjoyable for me. So Yeah, I would agree. There's a lot of calculating. It's kind of like, sometimes I don't want to think that hard. I certainly don't want to math that hard. A lot of times I just drop things and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad strategy, my friend. Not a bad strategy. Well, very cool. Um, 
Any any Warcraft news? Any Heroes of the Storm news that that you were excited about? Are you excited about the uh, the Cho'Gall uh, character? Well, as far as Cho'Gall coming, I, I still actually haven't played all of the characters in Heroes of the Storm. So if they're adding another character, that doesn't mean that much to me because it's not like I've gone through all of the existing characters. I haven't mm-hmm. bought a character, so I'm still on the hero rotation, and. This is another game where I'm kind of limited by my computing capabilities because gotcha. I I would play it. It just takes like two minutes to load a level, and it's still kind of like slow, and I need to work on optimizing the settings. I played it with some friends, uh, and MOBAs are a new thing that I'm you know still trying to figure out the strategy on. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, who has the time? It's true. It's true. I'm just excited that it is a, a character that two people can play because it's such a random, strange idea. And uh, I told my husband that he's going to have to hop on and I'll, I'll I'll run him around. He can he can run the the gall head and and shoot things and I'll I'll drive the I'll drive the bus. <laughs> yeah, just playing right next to each other. I was like, no, click on that guy. Click on that guy. <laughs> It actually is the two heads arguing. <laughs> That'd be a fun video, actually. You know, it, that might be that might be a, a strategy because they have uh, a lot of those out there. You know, so and so plays. My my wife plays Warcraft for the first time, or my sister, or my brother play this game for the first time. I can do my husband plays Cho'Gall and Heroes of the Storm for the first time. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, I'll probably continue to play it here and there. Like, what really got me into it was the card back for Hearthstone. Yeah. And as far as Warcraft goes, I do play some World of Warcraft, and so I did get to play through the first opening thing for uh, Demon Hunters and Legion. It's a lot Mm -hmm. of fun. Demon Hunters are fun because they just, through the questing, they're like, hey, you killed that demon. Suck out its soul and gain the ability to shoot lasers from your eyes. I was like, yes! This is what I want. So are you going to... Well, first of all, what's your what's your main in uh, Warcraft? So my main is a warrior that I started back in high school the, named the Firestorm, which continues to tick people off because that is a mage name. Mm-hmm. But I was like, nah, he's going to be the Firestorm. It's going to be a metaphor or something. <laughs> and... So I've gone through like tanking with him, and like when Monkey or Titan Grips came out, and you could dual wield two-handed weapons. I was just like, "We're going Fury." I just want to hit stuff real hard. And nice. So yeah, but I there was a time not too long ago where the internet connection was that I had was too spotty to play Hearthstone because it just kept dropping games. Right. And so I was like, well. I don't have anything else to do right now, so I think I'd, I'll just level some characters up. And so now I have five level 100s, which I have no idea what to do with them now. Nice. Um, are you going to roll a, a Demon Hunter when when Legion comes out? Yeah, I, I think I will. Maybe not the first day, because it's just going to be there's too many Demon Hunters, not enough demons. Much like there was too many Death Knights on that first day. Yeah. So eventually I will. I don't know if I'll fully level it, but I mean, at that point, it's already like 98, so it might as well, right? How about you? Um, I probably will. Um, my main's a, a troll hunter that I've played for for a very, very long time, and um, and I probably will will 
get him back out. I have not played a lot of Warlords of Draenor. Um, I just didn't, it didn't catch me. The garrison kind of put me off with the the daily chores. Just kind of like I thought the leveling experience was amazing, but I, I really didn't enjoy the end game as much. And I'm not a raider. I just don't have the time. I so I do have oh, to ahead. say that this is the first expansion where I have tried um, like pugging raiding. Mm-hmm. And that's finding like just a group of random people, and it throws you together. And I think their tools for that sort of thing have improved tremendously since I started playing. And so even just jumping into a raid, not having like a specific raiding group or schedule, uh, you mm-hmm. can still get pretty far doing that. So I have toyed around with raiding a little bit. I used to be more into PvP, and uh, that's still fun. Ashran is just... I mean, it's okay, but definitely what you touched on with the garrison, where people felt like they were confined to their garrisons and doing chores and whatnot, is something that I have heard a lot of talk about, especially from people at Blizzard, and that's something that they're looking into, because I don't think they expected that to happen. No, I I think they they were really surprised by that, and uh, I do hope they... Well, it sounds like they are making changes to that in, in Legion. I think they expected people to go out and do content and then do their garrison chores if they wanted to. And one of the the first ways that they're trying to improve that is by offering up the different events every week. Where, like, this week you get bonus experience for pet battling, and next week you get bonus PvP experience and stuff. So, to kind of nudge people out of their garrisons. Yeah, and I'm very much looking forward to doing um, a lot of PvP when... Um when Legion comes out, simply because that's where I started. I started on a PvP server, and uh, I moved off mostly because of um, just the the toxic kind of community that had built up around it. And uh, I moved to Proudmore for a while, but since my brother has gotten back into the game, I moved back to, to Maelstrom, and I'm going to be back on a PvP server which is a totally different experience than leveling stuff up on on the regular servers. <laughs> leveling stuff up on a PvE server must be so relaxing. Oh, there were for the it, it's like it's almost like it was post traumatic stress because I I'd, I'd start leveling a character on on a PvE server and I'm like I don't have to I don't have to like fly above everything to make sure I don't get ganked when I walk away to get a drink of water or you know it's like you you kind of like constantly looking around until that Moment where you're like, I can relax. Like, nobody's going to jump me. I'm good. Look at that high-level alliance guy. He's just waving at me. <laughs> what is this? What madness is this world? <laughs> <laughs> but it it is kind of fun to go back. I mean, I, I absolutely loved... Um, we, we weren't like a hardcore PvP guild, but it, it was always fun when you're getting ganked out in the wild to just say, all right, guys, I need help. And then all of a sudden, you know, five or six of your guildies show up and it just random battles ensue. You blow the conch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, world PvP is if as long as it's not just like straight up ganking. World PvP is right. something that I do find to be like pretty fun. Like if you randomly run into a oh, a horde or alliance, whatever your opposite faction is, and you try and jump them, and then there's like that back and forth. As long as it doesn't escalate to just like camping, uh, I think that it's an interesting part of the game. But we're we should play sometime. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be a lot of fun. Be a lot I'm of still fun. not exactly sure how the um, the servers work because they kind of like integrated a bunch of them. But uh, if anything, I'll just create a new character. You said you're on uh, Proudmore is the PvP one that you're um, on. 
No, I'm on Maelstrom. Maelstrom. Let me let me go and make a note of that. Um, but yeah, I'm primarily on Frostmane, but I'll I can roll up a new character. Or even I was planning on pre-ordering Legion because you get a level 100 boost from that. So I mean, there you go. Yeah, that would you know what honestly that probably would get me back into uh, wow because I haven't played in a couple weeks and I've. I've wanted to, and I was I was planning on doing that during uh, BlizzCon while I was watching, and I'm like, no, I'll do Overwatch a little bit. <laughs> it's so new and shiny. It's so new and shiny, and and I definitely need to put in the hours because I am not good. One of the one of the funniest things though is I I have a, a gaming laptop that I I purchased recently, and so I loaded it up on there, and I take it to school because I I run the esports team at at oh, our that high is school. So cool. It's a lot of fun. And so I was like, so guys, I might have the Overwatch beta on my computer right now. If you want to kind of walk over there, we throw it up on the big projection screen in the classroom during lunches and they just take turns whacking at people. <laughs> it, is, it is so much fun. And one of the other teachers comes in and goes, I hear there's an Overwatch beta in here. I'm like, yep, <laughs> put your name on the list. We'll get you in. <laughs> put your quarters on the table. Exactly. <laughs> Oh my god, I don't think they know that reference. I will have to make that a reference, and maybe that's our fundraising for this week. You want to play? You put a quarter on the table, we'll put it towards uh, towards buying concessions for a big event. There you go. Got to mark your spot. Absolutely. Do you, have you run into any Overwatch savants? Oh, well, they just they're, they all play per, first-person shooters, so they just pick it up and go, and... That's it's kind of one of those things where I'm just looking at them in awe, going, "Okay, I'm not playing in front of you guys because it'll be embarrassing." <laughs> they just have those sweet twitch reflexes. Yeah, they like they've never touched it before. And uh, one kid with tracer is it tracer? Yes, tracer the the two yeah. gun that you can teleport and whatnot. Oh my god, she's she's bouncing all around the battlefield, and he's excellent. And this is the first time that he's ever played her. It took him like two seconds to figure her out, and he just went with it. And that's basically been the experience for every single kid who's gone up. So These kids are all hopped up on their youth and caffeine and whatnot. They got their <laughs> monster energy drinks and shooting everybody. <laughs> well, not, I mean, just in-game. Yeah. No, that's that's one thing that I, I've heard from people, because I know a wide variety of ages of gamers. And so a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I used to play a lot of fighting games, but I can't play them competitively anymore because I don't have the reflexes to do that. So I've moved on to strategy games, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's the one thing that I've really enjoyed about working with this group of kids is that uh, Warcraft is cool again. <laughs> and there was a big stretch when it first came out and people would come out, oh yeah, Mr. Hogan, and they'd talk to me about what they were doing on in the game. And then after a while, people were like, oh, what do you play, Mr. Hogan? Oh, I play Warcraft. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, and so all of a sudden it's kind of like they're like, oh, you know, hey, yeah, friend me on Battle.net. We'll 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 raid together. And it's like, okay, well, you let me know. <laughs> Here's my Battle.net ID. Do with it what you will. Exactly. They they've challenged me to Tar Hearthstone and and there's been a couple of of very nice wins and there's been some very tragic defeats. <laughs> oh boy. Just RNG Jesus wasn't with you. No, no, and we we have one student who who at least gets to level five, um, rank five every season, and you know I said you know what guys one one day we're gonna just have to all come in and we're just gonna have to group play him up to legend. <laughs> we'll just team play this thing up to legend because he's like yeah, there's just not enough time in the day for him 
to to grind out that last five oh, levels. Yeah. And that's I haven't ground out those last five levels either. No, it's neither just, have I. Neither. Have it's I. just the grinding out of it. It's a time commitment. Um, I the other day I actually played against somebody with that legend card back, and it was with this shaman mm-hmm. deck that I was tweaking, and I was like, oh no, they're playing mage. But uh, I I beat somebody that ostensibly got to legend, so that was cool. That's that's awesome. But uh, legend is the next big thing that I'm going for, and I'm slowly working my way up the ladder. I think I'm at rank. 11 right now and then i'm still on like a a win streak and so i feel like i can get into the single digits and then that's when it's going to start getting complicated yeah that's when you're going to have to probably start uh tech decking and and figuring out which are are you still using snakes and drakes or are you using the um the priest deck so i've been alternating between uh the combo priest deck that i've been playing i threw in some jitna of zephyrs and those mm-hmm. have gotten out of hand. Uh, but I don't think Combo Priest is the right call for the metagame that I'm currently in. It's just mm-hmm. sometimes you feel like playing it. Like, I know when Tell was on the show, when we were doing Hearthcore, he said that you should choose one deck and stick with it all the way to Legendary, but that's just not the kind of person I am. I do like variety. Mm-hmm. And so I've been playing Snakes and Drakes, um, a little Warrior Control whenever I feel like just being the meanest person. Like, I'm just going to start gaining forearmor now. It's fine. Um, yeah, a little bit of everything. Primarily, Snakes and Drakes, uh, mid-range paladin that isn't a secret paladin. Which is is a refreshing change, because I'm really over-facing secret paladin. And I don't even think it's that good anymore. No, it's not. I mean, occasionally they'll still like steal a game with the early secret keepers, but people are learning how to play around the mysterious challenger turn. Mm-hmm. And and the the snake and drakes is really good for that because you can just kind of run things into it and trigger all the the secrets without any major repercussions. Yeah, and then you hunters mark whatever gets avenged on, and you're good to go. And uh, what else? Tempo Mage is always fun, although sometimes it runs out of steam a little too early. Yeah, I miss my Tempo Mage. I think that might be the next deck I rebuild and, and kind of try and tweak out. It's a fun deck. It can definitely get in there early and then generate an, a lead where you can just fireball them at the end. You're just like, man, I hope this next card's a fireball. <laughs> I I need to build a an Antonitis uh, he he's on my short list of must crafts. Oh yeah, he he's good. <laughs> he definitely walks away with games that you might not have otherwise won. And what's really funny is he's been around for a while, but didn't really see much play until Goblins vs. Gnomes because of the spare parts. Right, absolutely. So it's these new cards they can make older cards better, and I think that's very interesting. And that's something you don't really see too much with uh, Magic the Gathering right now, because they do have, uh, especially the standard format, where it's only the most recent uh, two or three blocks of Mm -hmm. cards. So there are other older formats called Eternal formats, where you can do a bunch of crazy stuff with, but those are pretty much solved right now, I'd say. I mean, there's a lot you can do with it, but they do have like the top-tier decks. And pull out your Black Lotus from the original uh, the original deck. <laughs> if I had a Black Lotus, I wouldn't have a Black Lotus anymore. I'd have $2,500. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would, <laughs> that would keep me afloat for a while. 
well that that's that's basically the extent of my of my magic knowledge i think i i dabbled in it when it first first came out and then uh and then just decided it was too expensive and i was in college and wasn't going to be able to get yeah (laughs) yeah i definitely had to make that tough call as well but i'm back and one of one of the more fun formats that I've been playing is Commander. And Commander is fun because you just build a 100 card deck and it's all singletons. It's all it's the Reno Jackson of Magic the Gathering formats uh where you choose a legendary creature as your commander and so you can cast them from the special place called the command zone. But the beauty of Commander is it's meant to be played with uh more than two people. It's like 3 to 6 players. And you go around and you have your turns and you don't even need to have necessarily good cards to win if you can be good at diplomacy. Nice. So you get everybody else to to knock them out for you. Look at that guy. He's been developing his board this whole time. He could kill Joe over here. I don't want that to happen. I think he is the clear and present danger. (laughs) So there's all these like little tricks you can do like if you don't necessarily ever want to tell somebody what to do you just want to point out threats like oh wow that is a strong like you're complimenting a card somebody else played like wow that is an amazing card let me let me read that real quick let me let me try and remember what this does oh wow it does that it costs one less for all of these things that you have oh that is that's a great card. And then people are like, oh, that is a great card. I need to kill him. <laughs> wow, you're building up quite a board there, buddy. Yeah, that slow that down there. impressive board state. You, and you have Animar out? Oh, wow. I would love to be in your shoes right now. And people are like, I need those shoes. <laughs> so that's... that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a fun, fairly inexpensive format to play because a lot of the cards that are good in Commander aren't really played anywhere else and so they're relatively cheap too it is it is tavern brawl for it is it's that specialized astral communion is good here deck when i played the tavern brawl that astral astral communion was part of you know that was the deck that everybody was running and i was like i i don't have this card (laughs) why would i have this card well astral communion has been good in so many tavern brawls by this point. Uh, it was good in the uh, you get a four drop on turn four, and it was just astral communion, and then you, you then you play just the most ridiculous big things. Uh, astral communion really good in the spiders, uh, the the web spinner tavern brawl as well. If you can get it in that druid deck, because it is randomly assigned. Right, right, right. Throw some web spinners out, turn four, you astral communion, you kill your web spinners, you get cards. It's just, uh, it is one of the best niche cards for things like uh, Tavern Brawls that we've seen in a while. Yeah, that's very cool. That's very cool. I will have to. I, I, I've got so much stuff I have to craft. I'm, I'm, I'm a collector. I try very hard to get as many cards as possible as quickly as possible. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm working on those legendaries, but it, it takes a lot of packs. Oh, yeah. Takes a lot of packs. I'm trying to do it as free to play as possible. I'll buy the expansions, I'll buy the the adventures, but but you know, as far as individual packs go, you know, that's all good. I know how that is. Yeah, luckily, I had the watch and learn quest, and so I watched somebody win, and I got a pack from that. And 
I was about to try and save up to craft Baron Geddon, and I opened a Baron Geddon, and that was like the first time where I opened up a legendary before I had crafted it that I wanted to craft. Usually, it's afterwards. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I I did the same thing with uh, Doctor Boom. I, I was saving up, and I think I was maybe one or two packs away from from crafting him, and I, I opened him up. And I was like, well, it looks like I just got myself a, a Tyrion Fordrig. <laughs> We're making a lateral move here. Yes, exactly. Have you have, have you had that legendary that you just open up so often that you're just like, I'm so tired of this legendary. Give me a new legendary. I mean, dust is dust and all that, but I want something new. I think the only double legendary I've opened is I think I've opened two Ragnaroses. Um, the only gold legendary I've opened is the the Sneed's old Shredder, which if you're going to have a golden legendary, that's the one that uh, I have. Hey, I agree with you there. I too opened the Sneed's old Shredder. That was gold. Yeah, it's a it's a good card because you know anything's coming out nice and shiny. Um, I did end up dusting the Flame Leviathan and Hemet Nesting Wary so that I could build Sylvanas. That seems like a, a good upgrade. Yeah, I was like, I, I try very hard not to dust things because I don't want to have to collect them later. But uh, but that was one I'm like, I, I I need this. This is a card yeah. I need. I swear, I opened up four Trogzors during <laughs> during the heyday oh my of uh, GBG. Yeah, yeah, it got intense. I was like, another Trogzor. All right, he's going in the dust pile. <laughs> I was one of those people that that created the Trogzor because everybody's. You know, I crafted Trogazor because everybody said he was going to be the card and then didn't have any dust for Dr. Boom, and Dr. Boom was the card. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, Trogazor is still a fun card that people don't really see coming ever, and so sometimes you can get them. Yeah. Especially if Tempo Mage continues to be, like, a big thing, I think Trogazor, you can probably safely throw it into, a like, a late-game kind of deck. Yeah, when uh, when Goblins vs. Gnomes came out, I tried very hard to come up with kind of a Trog-based um, trog deck that used a lot of those minions that didn't allow you to cast a spell on them. So it was kind of like you had to hit the... whatever the mech is that has the... you can't hit uh, it with the spell yeah, or your hero Arcane power. But it a, yeah, that one. And uh, and it was just because of the the constant aggro decks. It was like it just wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. No, nobody had a lot of smell, a lot of spells. But I think the um, the tempo mage might might maybe I'll try that again and see if I can get some mileage on it. Yeah, I mean we might be hitting a pretty spell heavy uh, meta game right now, but it's hard to tell, especially because there's so many people playing and all in the same meta game. It's it's definitely hard to predict. Well, it's hard to see the the forest beyond the trees. It's kind of like you you look out and you just see all the different decks that are big, and it's it's kind of hard to push those aside and go, well, let's try this. And that's why I think rank fifteen is so problematic because rank fifteen is the perfect like it's the perfect storm of people playing well crafted top tier decks and also people playing their sweet homebrew that nobody knows about, and so you'd never know what to expect. Right, I, absolutely. And so it, it makes it very, very hard. I'm, I'm glad I've gotten to a point where I can usually get past rank 15 pretty easily now, but I remember for a while there it was like 
I dreaded the rank 15. Oh, man, I spent so much time in rank 15. I would get to, like, rank 15, two stars, and then go back down to 14, and then uh, it was just... It used to be a mess, but I am glad that I, too, am at that point where I can safely kind of traverse rank 15. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, let us move on. Um, any shout-outs for the people out there? Any people that are uh, are on your mind today? Well, I do want to give a shout-out to Top Deck Kings, which is another Hearthstone podcast. I was on their episode last Sunday, and so... Uh, check that out. The title is Juice Tells Us About BlizzCon. That's pretty much what happened. Um, shout out to to you for having me on your show so we can nerd out, talk about some Hearthstone and some other Blizzard whatnots. Well, thank you very much. And uh, shout out to my friend Matt Avocado, who were starting that, that other YouTube channel, because Lord knows YouTube needs more Let's Players. <laughs> well, I'm I'm looking forward to that, especially since it's a game I have no experience with. So I'm I'm curious. It sounds like like something that is completely different than anything I play yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah, it's definitely we're going to be riding the coattails of that game's success, hopefully to some success of our own. But I think we're both very entertaining people to listen to talk or to listen to when we get mm-hmm. going because we're both really nerdy. And we have kind of a dichotomy where he's very high energy in a, in one direction, and I'm I'm fairly energetic in a different direction where he's like that happy sort of kind of. It's hard to explain. You just kind of have to listen. So I'll I'll let you know when those go up. Very cool. Very cool. Um, well, my shout out to you, sir, for uh, for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Well, I I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> and also i want to uh, send a shout out to uh, uh david gallagher um this week i it, as part of my blog posts i posted about uh the marvel superheroes rpg from back in the 80s um oh with face rip yes face rip and uh, i was one of the first that i actually played with other people as opposed to just kind of collecting the books and wishing that i had a group to play with and um and I had posted, you know, for some reason, it just I got that um, nostalgic bug that I was like, I want to, I want to talk about this game, and uh, he shared it on the internet and contacted me. He's actually going to come on the show in a couple weeks and talk about his uh, ongoing uh, campaign that he's running, and so that I'm, I'm very looking forward to. So, so thank you, David, for for making uh, me remember Face Rip and uh, <laughs> and all the fun that I had with that. I told him I, I'm I'm tempted to try and find all my old stuff and roll here. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's I I'm happy that I do have a Monday night play group as well. So shout out to them too if they're listening, but uh yeah, we do RPGs and whatnot. So um I actually Skype in. So if you that's not the worst way to go about about playing an RPG if you could find a group of people. Yeah, I might uh I might do that again. It, 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 that's that's actually how I played a lot of the the face rip stuff was the um the old AOL dial-in days. <laughs> we had a group when I was in college that were all over the United States and, and a, a really fun uh, GM who, who would say suddenly, and anytime he said suddenly, we knew that we were about to get our butts kicked. Well, I think, and, and you know, you could take this with a grain of salt, but it might be time to introduce FaceRip to some students. 
It might be. It might be. Uh, a teacher and I ran a, a Dungeons and Dragons fourth uh, edition game for a while, and uh, and got some of the seniors to play, and it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I I had a high school teacher that uh, was really into World of Warcraft and tabletop RPGs that kind of got me interested in those things as well. So it it can have an effect. Yeah, it's 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 fun to be able to share. We're we're very encouraged at my school to share stuff that we we love with our students. So so it's kind of nice to have that yeah, opportunity. That, that's fantastic. I like that. Shout out to thank your you. school. <laughs> well, thank you. And um, anything coming up for you this week? Anything on your uh, on your plate? Well, we're gonna try and have a, a two week run on Hearthcore that's uninterrupted by a hiatus. Very nice. So that's that's the goal. Uh, what else? Gonna try and get more episodes done for avocado juice. And other than that, I'm gonna try and build a commander deck to beat my roommate because we are competitive people when it when we really don't need to be because it's a casual right. format. But I'm just throwing in like I'm gonna make the meanest commander deck. So when we play against each other, we can have bragging rights. Very cool. Very very cool. Um, I think this week it's gonna be it's gonna be busy at school for the next couple of weeks, so I don't know how much uh, geekiness I'm gonna get in. But uh, next week on the show we're gonna have a cosplayer by the name of uh, Geisha V, um, and she's very very cool. Uh, she is a very body positive um, cosplayer, and she's trying to get awareness out to people about cosplaying, you know because you like it and not because it necessarily is what people think you should be wearing or think how you should be a lot of um, uh, not worrying about what ethnicity the character is or what body shape the, the character is. So I'm, I'm excited to talk to her about that. Next well, week. I was already planning on tuning in next week, but now I'm even more incentivized because that is something that I've, I've kind of always wanted to get more into is cosplay, but I just have never had that sort of, making things creativity mm -hmm. yeah me too so i'm i'm interested to see um how she got started and and you know if she has any tips for us that you know go to all these conventions and uh and kind of go what if what if i did that so. luckily i think i found my character oh what what character would that uh, be, i'm i make a pretty bang up adult steven universe from the episode where he got aged up and wore a shirt that said professional beach hunk Nice. <laughs> so I have nice. the shirt, I have the jean shorts and all that, so I mean, it's a role that I've been preparing for my entire life. Very good, very good. <laughs> my my favorite my favorite at Comic-Con this year was um three guys who were um dressed as it was Darth Vader and two stormtroopers, but they were in beach gear. Oh. <laughs> Just tank tops. They had little like floaty things around their waist and um the two stormtroopers had super soakers <laughs> and and Darth Vader had a, a lightsaber pool leader. It it was phenomenal. It was absolutely Just, phenomenal. I I love seeing the creativity that people have when it comes to doing things like cosplay. So I'm excited about next week's episode. Yeah, definitely. Definitely tune in. All right. Business of closing it up. Um, all the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under the Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at www.bensound.com. You can currently find us at geektitude.com. If you would like to contact me, you can send 
me an email to joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Juice, how can we find you? Well, I'm typically on the Hearthcore Twitter, which is uh, at HearthcoreCast. Uh, if you wanted to get in contact with me specifically, my Twitter handle is at the underscore juice underscore Jones. And I did this the wrong order, but that's okay. Our email for Hearthcore is hearthcorepodcast at gmail.com. I'm a little rusty on that because we were on a hiatus. Um, <laughs> that's and so okay. If you, yeah. Uh, if you wanted to add me on Battle.net and um, you know talk or whatever, my Battle.net ID is juicejones, hashtag 1369. Oh, yeah. And you know what? Since this is a very uh, Blizzard-heavy episode, my uh, battle tag is Epic Grays. Uh, is it a hashtag or a number sign? I go hashtag because that's what the kids are using these days, and I'm hip with them. <laughs> well, it's Epic Epic Grays hashtag sixteen ninety eight, and I say that semi ironically because I'm a twenty something. So, <laughs> but hey, you know what? You, your your soul is youthful. <laughs> I still think my body's youthful. <laughs> uh, well, very good. Thank you, sir, for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it, and uh, and uh, we'll be tuning into uh, Hearthcore this week. See what you're up to. Excellent. Cross-promotional synergy. Pretty soon I hope to be bought out by Disney so I can start doing Star Wars stuff too. <laughs> I think that's a great I think that's a great business plan. I think I think you are headed in the right direction. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's only a matter of time before all podcasts are bought by Disney, right? It's true. It's true. Eventually it's just going to, you know, it's going to be Disney, the corporation for president. <laughs> all righty. Well, I think it's time for your catchphrase. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this week, remember to keep it geek. <laughs>